it's possible for a company to go up market. It is much more difficult for a company and its structure to go down market. So I wouldn't say we're, we're not going up market, but currently we see an ample amount of, of headspace inside of the SMB space. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone. Today we have Alan Ville, who is the president and CEO of Clipfolio, which is a dashboard company that will help your company grow. So Alan, how's it going? Good. And you, Eric? I'm doing well. Thanks for being here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of who you are and, and your story in general? Sure. So um, Clipfolio is my second uh, startup. Um, so we've been doing this for actually a long time. And uh, we're actually super lucky because we get to work with a lot of small and mid-sized companies and teams um, and really help them understand what's happening in their own business. So, I mean, not only do we use, use our own software and our own dashboard um, incessantly uh, in, inside a Clipfolio, but we get to help uh, you know other companies do exactly the same thing. And that's cool because we know that so many companies are struggling with you know the questions of how is my business actually doing and uh, giving them some visibility into that, I think, uh, makes for better, smarter, and less worrisome decisions. Wonderful. And how is Clipfolio different from the other dashboard companies out there? So, I mean, first of all, we're, we're really targeting the, the small and mid-sized companies. Um, and, you know, that, that means that we're, we've got a real big depth of um, integrations with cloud vendors. Uh, so there's, there's a different ecosystem that we're going after. Uh, for the most part, our pricing structure is totally different from, you know, the micro strategies and the tableaus and the clicks uh, out there. So we're, we're definitely more transactionally uh, modeled than uh, any of the big uh, BI vendors. So, and the fact that the fact that we're just doing this at, at scale uh, puts us in a unique position. Um, you know, we've got 10,000 customers today. Um, you know, we're setting our sights on you know uh, 200,000 customers. Uh, you know, in not too long. You know, that puts us in a different realm than some of the the bigger players that, you know, are selling for a lot more, but really you're only looking at a few uh, a few hundred or a few thousand customers. Great. And when you say 10,000 customers, these are 10,000 paying customers? Yeah, yeah, for sure. 10,000 paying, happy, awesome customers that uh, that use our stuff every single day. Awesome. So tell us a little more about how you guys, how do you guys make money? So, um, I mean, it's, it's a long journey, and, and we, actually, we actually test things all the time. So we have a huge, huge testing or sort of a research culture. And, uh, you know, our pricing model uh, right now is based on a resource um, usage. So uh, in general, you sign up to Clipfolio, and you're going to pay based on the number of dashboards um, that you have inside of our account. Um, we used to have a per-user model as well. We actually may go back to a per-user model. I think the interesting thing about this is that you know we're constantly testing. Um, you know, we cookie our website and we cookie the app, and um, 
you know, we learn with every single cohort that goes through, you know, where the real value levers are. So the, the short answer is it changes all the time. You know, and the longer answer is we're, we're constantly evolving. And did you guys use, I mean, these pricing decisions always aren't that easy. So, so I'm assuming for this kind of potential change back, you guys are using data. But I guess the first time you guys switched to the uh, the model you're at right now, was that based on data or is that gut feeling? I guess I'm trying to get at is like, how do you figure out pricing and packaging? It's, it's so hard. It's one of the most difficult things, I think, as a as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, it's, you look at you look at your competitors, you look at um the, the landscape of, of customers. Um, I mean, we, we did some paper prototyping with, uh, with current customers. So you can do all of that stuff, but um, it, it's really only if you're testing things out in the wild, uh, in a live environment, that you actually really learn with some accuracy what, what works and what doesn't. Um, so we built, we actually built our own pricing framework. Uh, and I really encourage you know, all SaaS vendors to do that as well. Uh, I mean, a benefit, we have the benefit of volume, of course, and scale, but, you know, you really, you have to, you have to test things, A, B test things uh, to really get the answer for pricing. It's one of those really, really difficult things that lots of people have written about. And I would argue that nobody knows a thing about until you've actually tested it with your own customers. Wonderful. And so Crunchbase shows you guys have raised $16.8 million. I'm wondering what other kind of metrics or numbers can you reveal around the company, revenues, things like that? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I can't reveal revenue, but I can tell you that we have uh, we've grown uh, some years 300 uh, percent. We've grown some years 200 percent. Um, you know, we're at about uh, 95 uh, employees right now. Um, you know, so so the company is growing really, really well. I mean, there's just so many customers out there that, you know, are in, the, are in need of, of something like this that is priced uh, in our price point. I mean, we look at the SMB spaces between. 20 and 500 employees. And for us, that's a space that includes 50 million uh, companies globally. You know, so it's a massive space. And it's, and it's in particular, it's, it's almost a greenfield space because there's always new companies being, being launched. You know, a lot of these companies uh, simply don't have the budgets to go after a big BI tool um, like, the, like the incumbents in the space. So for us, this is a, this is a massive opportunity where there really isn't a winner yet, um, you know, and I think, I think, you know, we can be that winner. We can, we can be that company that really helps um, these teams and these small businesses uh, make the right decisions. And your guys' price point, what does that look like in general? So it's, it's, it's fluctuated and, you know, we're always help, happy to, to have the conversation if somebody happens to see, uh, you know, one price versus a testing price. Um, but we have tested everything in between. Nineteen dollars uh, to um, a starting price of forty-nine dollars, um, mm. you know, and uh, so in, in and around that range. Now we we changed the resources, so the value is about the same for a nineteen-dollar plan versus a forty-nine, but it's in that in that neck of the woods. So when you guys price on usage, is that just be people that are adding more dashboards? Are you pricing it like that, or how does that look? Yeah, for that that's the biggest lever. So somebody would come in, uh, you know, we'd say, hey, Eric, you know, welcome. You've got on the first pricing tier, you've got five dashboards that you can build out. As you add more users or different departments, um, or you want to have vendors join and uh, looking in some dashboards, that'll obviously use up some of those uh, some of those resources. And at some point, uh, you'll say, "Well, I need 
I need 10 dashboards or I need 20 dashboards. And, uh, you know, we've seen companies grow really, really nicely uh, using that value metric. Wonderful. And you guys, so you're, you're based in uh, Ottawa, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's okay. right. And you have no outbound sales from what I've read. Is that also correct right now? Yeah, so everything is 100% inbound. So we have, we, we've, we've had a, a long history um, really being um, amazing at SEO. So if you search for sales dashboard or KPI examples or KPI, yeah, number one or, or exactly. So we've got, we have 500 keywords or phrases where we're in the top three. And I mean, that's, a, you know, it's often overlooked, but that's actually one of the biggest assets um, that that, you know, will allow us to move quickly and move into new markets. Uh, we can surface a keyword in, in, in a matter of about an afternoon. So SEO has been super powerful for us. And for us, that means that we've got a, an amazing inbound engine. Uh, our CAC is super low. Uh, and then we've got a, a small acquisition team uh, that is handling all the onboarding. We've got a, an onboarding team that then deals with customers that we have uh, brought um, uh, that that we have sold to, uh, and then of course there's a retention and support team. But you're right, 100% of it is is inbound. Um, you know, we get we get in the neighborhood of uh, between five and six thousand uh, trial starts uh, on a monthly basis. So it's it's a it's an awesome way to keep things efficient and and grow quickly. Wow. Okay. And you know what's interesting? I mean, I was at Saster a couple of weeks ago, and the conversation with a lot of people is just, it's, you know, we're going up market, Eric, where everybody's going up market. So have you guys had that conversation internally? I'm just wondering how, how that plays out for you guys. We have, uh, and, it's, and it's an important conversation to have, uh, and, it's, and it's important to kind of what your vision is as well. And, you know, if you want to help companies uh, succeed and if you, if you want to sort of reduce the, the 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 business mortality rate you know if I can put it that way then you know we've got to we've got to stick to what we believe in and we really believe that there's, there's an opportunity for for good in small and mid-sized companies uh, now we sell to teams in larger companies too so we've got you know, Ford and Ikea and Disney and all sorts of big companies using Clipfolio as well. But it's mostly teams inside of those companies. And you've got to be comfortable saying, well, are we okay selling to one of these larger companies at this price point? You know, and, and that's important. And again, if, if I take a look at my revenue mix, I don't think we have a single customer that is more than a half a percentage point of our revenue. And that really impacts kind of the product decisions uh, that we make. You know, no one customer can hold us hostage. So we're always developing stuff for the greater good. Um, and I really like that model. I really, really like that model. And I think for us, it, it puts us in a good position because it means that we have opportunity. It's, it's possible for a company to go up market. It is much more difficult for a company and its structure to go down market. So I wouldn't say we're, we're not going up market, but currently we see an ample amount of, of headspace inside of the SMB space. It's also because you have more, because you, you charge less, you have much bigger mind share and you can always get, these, these businesses are gonna grow and they're gonna grow with you, right? Totally, totally. Um, and I mean, we've got some amazing businesses that have gone from, you know, small to mid to now, I would say, sort of, you know, semi, semi large companies, um, you know, and they have scaled with us, um, you know, and sometimes a, a large customer will come to us and say, hey, we need this feature. But we're then in a good position to say, well, you know what, um, that actually doesn't make sense for our, our larger user base. So no, we're not going to be able to do that. 
uh, or sometimes we are able to do it. But I think it, it definitely changes the conversation um, as opposed to selling to few customers, you know, for a lot, a lot of money. Love it. And you've been in business since 2001? Yeah, we've been in business for a long time. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what else I'd be doing. I mean, this is what I do. Uh, <laughs> this is what I love. Um, but yeah, we've been we've been doing this for a long time. And it's really only been for the last probably 10 years that we've been focused on B2B. Um, before that, we were actually still with a dashboard. We were focused on B2C. And uh, we were selling a widget dashboard, you know, to monitor your weather, your stocks, your news. Uh, to consumers. Um, now, the consumers had it for free, but we could never properly monetize that thing. And it was, it was really difficult because we had, we had about 300,000 users using the widget dashboard, but we couldn't find a revenue stream. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. And entrepreneurs often get them inside of that, inside of that middle ground where something's kind of successful, but other things aren't. And an entrepreneur doesn't know if, if they should kill it or if they should double down, right? So anyways, I mean, lots of twists and turns, but, you know, the business is definitely on the right path right now, which is, which is great. And you can feel it. It's, it's a totally different feel when you are. When you're doing the right thing. Oh, yeah, 100%, 100%. So when you, I mean, that's one key lesson. I think one of the key lessons is that you learn to, well, switch over to B2B. What other, I guess, stories can you share and, and lessons from those stories around that journey from 2001 till now? Well, I think the biggest one is this feeling of, of product market fit. Um, and, and, and even now, I mean, you can, you can lose your product market fit. You can have it and you can lose it. And I think being able to very quickly uh, tell the difference. So, so really, you know, have your eyes open and, and, and read the signals is really important for entrepreneurs to be able to, to understand and to react. And all too many entrepreneurs will say, well, let's stick to our guns. Let's, let's ride it out. You know, let's, let's continue down this path. But honestly, if there's, if there's no product market fit, you know, if it, you should kill it. Um, and I almost, I almost look at it as if, if there was a scale from zero to 10, where zero is, um, you know, total, not a product market fit. So it's, it doesn't work at all. It's a total failure. And 10 is, you know, completely off the scales market fit. You have to, anything below a seven, you should actually kill. Like that's, that's, that's the kill zone. And you should ignore that and keep trying and keep trying because that's where entrepreneurs get confused. They think they may have something. Let's let's try it for another month. You know, we sold something, and I really think that there's a there's a big difference between you know pushing that string and, and being pulled into a direction. You know, once you have product market fit. Is that a gut feeling thing, or how do you measure that? Oh, I mean, you see it. You totally see it. I mean, we spent a long time, you know, in previous uh, instantiations of the product where where we were selling, and the sales cycle was long, and there was lots of convincing. And then with the current product. You know, 40% of our sales come in with zero touch. So that's a huge clue. Um, our growth rate is totally different than it was, you know, in previous instantiations of the product. So once you once you actually see product market fit, it's clear as day. You know, while you're still in the midst of it, it's a little bit more difficult to see. But you know, I I advise entrepreneurs today to say, listen, you know, there's there's clear signals that you've got it. And if you don't, if you're questioning if you have it you probably don't have product market fit. Right. 
Okay. So so keep iterating. So the, the first, I, I guess, let's uh, we'll take out the, the widget and the, the three hundred thousand users there. I guess for for B two B, how did you go about acquiring? Your, let's just say your first hundred or hundred fifty customers. So um, this is a really important part uh, or a really important time in, in every startup's um, history. The first um, 100, the first 50, 100, maybe even 200 customers are really important. And I'm, I'm a big fan of saying that the CEO or the, the VP product um, or one of the founders, they should be doing the talking and the selling. Um, they need to be as close as they possibly can you know, to to what the customers are saying. And and we did the same thing. Um, we really, really uh, worked very, very closely with those first, you know, 100 customers. Um, we almost treated them like uh, advisors. Um, and I think because of that, there's, there's, a, there's a strange benefit. Uh, many of the first 100, maybe 200 customers that we captured uh, four or five years ago, they're still with us today. So you get a, you get a heightened sense of customer retention when the founding members of the team are actually involved in selling. And I mean, that makes sense, but it's also super important because you really need to drink straight from the fountain to be able to, to understand exactly what they're saying with no translation. So I'm, I'm really a huge fan and, and, you know, we, and we do this from time to time as we're introducing new things. Um, you know, some of the senior members, senior members will, will actually physically, you know, travel or meet people or, or talk to talk to customers, uh, you know, one on one. And that's super important. So what I'm hearing is a lot of customer development slash founder led sales in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I think I think most companies will do that. And, and, you know, sometimes they do it just out of sheer necessity. Uh, you know, there's no employees. Uh, so, you know, that's that's what they have to do. But, you know, that's the right thing to do. You know, it's, it's you've really got to be really, really close to those early customers because they are invaluable in shaping what's happening. And then if you do that, the, the added benefit is they're going to be super loyal. All right. Well, tell us about, OK, so besides the I guess we can call it a pivot. What is one other big struggle you faced while growing this business? I think the other big struggle um, is is money, you know, so. And, and, and it has so many different aspects. Um, you know, money is at the heart of do you have the right uh, business partner, uh, the co-founders? You know, do they have the same amount of perseverance that you do? Because, you know, in the early days, um, you know, you're going to you're going to take a, a, a tiny little salary and then, you know, you're going to hope that every second month you get a paycheck, um, you know, and and having the grit and the support system, um, co-founder and family to be able to get through those hurdles. Um, that's really, really hard. And if, you know, if you look at most startups, you know, that, that don't have any funding and I'm actually, I'm actually a fan of startups that don't have funding uh, because I think it, it teaches a huge lesson. A lot of them will actually fail because one of the founders says, you know what, I can't do this anymore. You know, so going into it with uh, an equal understanding that, hey, this is going to be tough. We're not going to just walk into, you know, Andreessen Horowitz and, you know, cut a $20 million check. You know, we're not going to go straight to the moon. This is going to be really hard. And it's probably going to be hard for the first, you know, couple of years. We need to prove ourselves. And that takes time and it takes lots of support and empathy and help. So I think those are those are huge struggles that we went through as well. Uh, I mean, my, my co-founder sold his car 
so that we could, you know, put food on the table. Wow. You know, I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that, that's crazy. You know, that's, 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 that's real. Well, t- tell me more about that. I mean, what happened there? What was that s- scenario? Well, I mean, so we're, you know, I mean, this is, you know, we're, we're, we're neither of us were married, you know, we didn't have any kids, um, you know, and, and we're, we're also bootstrapping. So we're doing, we're doing odd jobs that are, you know, frankly, uh, you know, pain in the ass, but, you know, put some, put some food on the table and we're, we're getting a little bit of funding, government funding from here and there, right. To sort of do product development. Um, you know, so at some point it's like, okay, uh, you know, we need some extra cash either to pay our, you know, one or two employees, you know, so, I mean, we did things that are, you know, not advisable, but, you know, we, he sold his car. I mean, I put some, I put some, some cash on our credit cards. You know, this is, this is stuff that I think a lot of entrepreneurs who, who do stand the test of time will do. And it's, and it's pretty low, but it's, it's also, it's also the way to make it happen. So yeah, we did all of those things and that's tough, right? But, but at the same time you look back and you're, you say, Hey, would I have done it differently? No way. It's the way it happened. And I look fondly back to every single second of that stuff, even though at the time I probably was not um, super thrilled about things either, right? So, yeah, well, I, but I, I have zero, I have zero regrets. I think it's the the price you have to pay, or else everyone. I mean, if if, if there weren't this kind of journey, everyone would be doing it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard, but I mean, as I said, um, honestly, I I don't know what else I'd be doing. I mean, I I love this. Uh, I love the people. I love the challenge. I love the the roller coaster. Um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's fantastic, and and the unknowns are exciting. Um, so yeah, I mean this is all good, but it but it's hard. Completely empathize with you. So just a couple more questions from questions from my side. So I want to go back to customer acquisition for a second. So you talked a lot about about SEO, kind of self service sales or kind of inbound sales, I guess. Uh, what else is working for you, or what's one thing that's working really well for you other than SEO in terms of customer acquisition today? Sure. So we have a we have a really healthy. Uh, reseller channel. So we have, um, I believe, close to a thousand resellers globally today. And uh, for us, that's contributing contributing about 35% to our, our revenue. So it's a really healthy channel. Uh, and for us, this is this means that there's there's feet on the street. Uh, they're global. So, you know, they're embedded in the culture, uh, in the language. So it's a really good way for us to get Clifolio out into other regions. Uh, and we've got a, we've got a, a very much a global presence. And I think because of that, um, so about 30 percent, 35 percent of our sales are in North America and the rest is global. So, you know, we've we've benefited from this reseller channel um, tremendously. And so for us, um, what's important is that we recognize that the resellers like Clipfolio because it allows them to generate a lot of professional services. So they need to hook up, you know, help their customers hook up the data, cleanse the data, build dashboards, uh, consult, uh, and do all that kind of stuff. So for us, this uh, reseller channel has been uh, been really, really successful. I was going to say, what, what's even what's even crazier? Again, back to this sort of self serve model. We actually only have about two people uh, of our 95 staff. That are get dedicated to you know running this uh, this thirty five percent of the business, yeah. So it's 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 been it's been super efficient from a, a go to market point of view. 
That is crazy. Well, that, that's something we should definitely highlight here. So I'm, I'm assuming these uh, value, these resellers are agencies, contractors are, that are out there kind of just pushing clip flow. That's what it is, right? 100%, 100%. So lots of agencies, um, lots of um, independent software vendors, consultants, uh, accountants. Um, so folks that are getting it out to their own customer base. Wonderful. All right. Well, what's one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value to your life? So it could be like a Peloton bike or a Evernote. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's an interesting question. What's one new tool? Um, you, you know, I mean, we're so from a business point. No, 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 not Clipfolio. So from <laughs> a business point of view, we're big fans of tooling and automation. Um, and we're always putting new, new, new things in place to, to help the teams, to, to, to make the data sing better together. We have just put um, Pendo in place. Um, we've put SalesLoft in place. It's on top of uh, Marketo uh, and Salesforce. Uh, we're big users of Mixpanel. Um, and all of these things, you know, we've got a, a great little um, biz ops team that is dedicated to making sure that all these tools work well together and that the data is, is shared among these tools. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, no matter what the um, Salesforce slash uh, Marketo slash Pendo salesperson tells you, it's always way more difficult to implement these things than they will say. So I highly recommend having a, a biz ops team that is responsible for um, like instrumenting and, and making sure that these tools work well together. Uh, but I mean, we're, we're big fans of, uh, of tools and I mean, that's how we see ourselves scaling in an efficient way as well. Love it. So from, from a, from a personal side, I don't know. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big cyclist. I did get a new bike this year, but more for fun. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there's uh, you got to have balance in both, right? So I'm a big fan of making sure that there's uh sort of that life uh, life balance and that mental that mental health time great final question from my side what is one must read book you'd recommend to everyone sure so i would say and i'm going to give you two because they're super similar um one is start with why by simon simic and uh the other one which is really similar in concept but it's a good read to sort of read them together is a book called uh lead uh, with greatness by David Lappin. It's the same idea, but he talks about a personal fingerprint where there's a core belief at the center of this. That's kind of Simon Sinek's why, and then it radiates out to you know the results. And I think uh, I think both of those books are uh, are totally tremendous. All right. Well, Alan, thank you for that. We'll drop that in the show notes. This has been fantastic. What's the best way for people to find you online? So you can check out my LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, so both of those ways are, are pretty good to, uh, to reach me. So DM, DM me or, or hook me up on LinkedIn and I'd be uh, happy to chat. All right, Alan, thanks so much for doing this. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. You bet. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.